Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. Praise God. He is such a good God. He is such a good God. Happy Father's Day to the dads in here, whether you're a blood dad or some other form of a dad. We thank you for the dads in here that are not truck guys. Happy Mother's Day to you. Y'all just, did you think about that? All right, I thought it was funny. It's okay. Let me get warmed up. Don't judge me too soon, all right? And judge me like most Sundays when you get in your car and you talk to your family, okay? There's some things I want to say this morning, or rather the Holy Spirit. This is going to be, a, I believe, a quick sermon this morning. This may be the easiest and most simplified message I've ever preached. But it may be the most impactful to you because how many of you know that there's some change that needs to occur in your life? There's some things that we need to, to do. Man, it's so good to see so many people here on Father's Day. Holy smoke. Praise God. You guys look good. Smile at me. Let me see your teeth. That's all right. We're working on that. It's fine. So good to see everybody. There's three powerful words in the Bible. One of them is mentioned in Matthew chapter 4, you guys, many of you know the story. I'm going to read it very quickly for those that don't. You know, before Jesus begins to start his earthly ministry, he takes a, a time to fast and a time to pray. He takes 40 days um, in the mountains on a cliff in the wilderness. And in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What was the reason that he went up there? It says it right there. He was going to be tempted by the enemy. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is Written Again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Oh man, the Holy Spirit is so good right now. Y'all don't know how enjoyable it is to be standing right now in front of you. If you could see the entirety of my life, you would say, no way. No way. <laughs> God picked somebody else. But he picked me, and I'm so grateful 
for that. So Jesus, verse 7, he says, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Three amazing, powerful words on the word of God. It is written. Whenever you get in a bind in your life and you are not maybe a person that knows a lot of scripture. Maybe you're a person that is new at this. Maybe, maybe it's one reason or another, but you can always say to the devil that it is written. There is power in those three words. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the standard of Jesus and the banner of praise is raised over him when we begin to speak life. And the opposite is true that when we know biblically to speak life into ourself, into our church, into our family, our friend, when we know to speak life even into our enemies and we don't do it, we are in direct opposition to the will of God. It is written. Another translation of it is written is you've been warned. You've been warned. When my Jesus gets to move in in a direction, there is absolutely no stopping the whirlwind of his power and his glory and his passion. That's why he died for you. He could have stopped it and he still didn't. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. See, some of you are still acting like children, like your pastor. You say and you do things that are immature and stupid. Look at your neighbor, because just because I need to add to my counseling this week. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be stupid. Oh, just do it. If you get in a fight in church, you'll just be like every other American. <laughs> yeah, y'all are continuing the conversation a little too long. And also, you're this, 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 and this. And Pastor Gordon has got me on a roll. Let me just tell you. <laughs> See what I say about saying stupid stuff? See that? It's childlike. It's immature. It's foolish. It's devastating for us to know how God wants us to speak, and yet we keep speaking Negativity. I, I've told you guys this before. I, I, I grew up in, in a culture of pure, unadulterated negativity. My hand hurts. It must be a tumor. 
you have a headache, it must be a brain tumor. Your stomach hurts, oh, it can't be gas because the old burrito that you ate. You're dying of sepsis. I'm out of breath. You must have major blood pressure issues. No, I'm really overweight. I grew up in a household where everything was amplified at the most highest level of negativity. It was never, hey, it's okay. You just skinned your knee. It was like, oh my gosh, let's stop the bleeding. You can bleed to death. I don't think I'm exaggerating. Candace knows my family. That's why we moved here. No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> In 1999, I was 22 years old, and I heard three words that changed my life, and this is going to sound a bit prideful when I give you these three words. But to me, it wasn't. It was, a, it was a revelation from the Lord of something that he had already told me, something that he had already spoken to me just a year before. And I was working at Salvation Army, my first ministry job, and I was um, over a, a, a lot of alcoholics and a lot of crack addicts. I've mentioned this to you guys many times before. And I, I, really, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed seeing men come off the street broken and devastated and come in and get a meal. And then after that meal, come into chapel and, and hear a word from God and see them saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was telling somebody the other day I, I had had this memory I had forgotten that I did this I sometimes worked the late shift um, at the Salvation Army downtown Houston Texas and and so I if I did the late shift then I would preach the 7 p.m. chapel services right so I'm 22 years old and I would make sure that all the rest of the staff left by 6 or 6.30 because I was going to preach about the Holy Ghost. And the Salvation Army does not preach about the Holy Ghost anymore. William Booth did when he created the Salvation Army. He was Holy Ghost, but the Salvation Army now is not, does not talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I would wait till 7 p.m., maybe thereafter to start, all the, I'd have about 120 guys in there. Some were homeless. Some were in the drug program. And one night I was teaching, and I said something to this effect. It was, um, I was talking about King David. And I said, this is all your choice. You can stay addicted or you can be anointed and appointed to do God's work. And I said, it's your choice. And a guy stood up and said three profound words to me. And he said, and the first time I'd ever heard this, and it shocked me. And he said, that's my pastor. And I said, what? And I didn't realize no one had referred to me as that. 
It wasn't on a business card. I didn't have business cards. I didn't walk around saying, hey, call me Pastor Court. But he said those three words, and it was an affirmation of the intimacy that God had shared with me a year before. And I thought about that just in the last couple of days. I thought about how amazing it is when we say something like it is written, when there's so much power behind it and the implications are so vast and they're so wide, they're so deep. And there's three words I want to discuss this morning that I believe are vast and wide and deep. And those words are, that's my Jesus. When you take ownership and engage your Savior and you say, now some of you, I believe, are going to get this. Some of you may not today. But there's two ways that we can say, that's my Jesus. The first way is the easy way. When you see your child healed of cancer, pretty easy to say, that's my Jesus. Come on, y'all say it with me. That's my Jesus. Look how easy that was. You're all verbal and awake this morning. Amen, most of you. It's easy to say, that's my Jesus when things are going right. It's easy to say, that's my Jesus, when you've got money in the bank and you're not in the red. It's easy to say, that's my Jesus, when your blood work just came back well. It's easy to say, that's my Jesus, but it's not so easy to say, that's my Jesus, when the doctor just told you that you've got six months or less to live. It's not always easy to say, that's my Jesus, when you've been caught in an indiscretion and you refuse to repent. There's a lot of times we don't refer to Jesus in that way, but I'm going to tell you, there is something that happens on a supernatural level when we begin to speak things that we don't see happen yet. I can tell you a few right now just looking through this room. I see people in here that have already put names on this cross, and those names have already been saved. I see people in here where a doctor said that, hey, your little boy is not the right size and things could be going awry. And then the doctor a few weeks later says, we made a mistake, your kid is just fine. I see people in here that have been healed of cancer when you got a devastating Diagnosis. I see people in here that had cardiac and maybe still have signs and symptoms of cardiac issues, but you're still saying, that's my Jesus. My life would not be where it is today if my dependence was not on God. My dependence is not on myself or whatever self-worth that I feel like I can build up. My life is not based on my wife affirming me or my kids affirming me. My life and my joy is based on what Jesus accomplished for me. It's so easy to get down. 
It's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to get into a place of monotony where it's just one day after another. You work, you sleep, you work, you sleep. You may do something fun every now and then, but most of the time you feel exhausted. It's easy to go down that road of having a confession that is not of God. It's easy to go down that road of taking the side of negativity. It's easy to go down that road of believing what somebody said over your life. But your response should always be, that's my Jesus. It's intimate. It's profound. It's, it's vast. It's deep. It's wide. It, when you understand the intimacy behind the name of Jesus, you'll understand better how to live this life until you die. So through the flood and through the famine and through the freeze and through the fire, you say, that's my Jesus. Your doctor looks you in the eye and says something negative. That's my Jesus. Well, what's that mean? Well, that means that no matter what you say to me, you don't have the final say. And in fact, you don't have the authority to have the first say. Jesus has the first say, the middle say, and the last say. I hear people say all the time, Jesus, God's got the last say. No, he's got every say. He's not waiting until the end to do something with your life. Well, let me just wait until they're 92 before I change them. 98, 100. I think I covered most of the ages. I don't know. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read this to you in two different versions. The first is the message. And it says, It's news I'm most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him. Starting with Jews and then right on to everyone else. God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith confirming what scripture has said all along. The person in right standing before God by trusting him really lives. And then the New King James, the one that you are used to hearing, most likely, is, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. I love what Lester Summerall says. You are what you are because that is what you really want to be. You can judge anything in the world by this. God builds up and the devil tears down. When you say something negative about yourself or somebody else, you are doing the devil's bidding, period. Just because you slap Christianity on it doesn't mean you made it holy with a sticker. 
Just because you say something and you, 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 have, and you, you, you tagline it with, well, I've got their best interest at heart. Well, if you've got their best interest at heart, stop talking about them. Shut up. All right. It's always a popular thing to say. Isn't it amazing how Americans are proud of their American flag? Christians are proud of the Christian flag. Many Christians are proud to be Republicans. Proud to vote for this guy or that gal. Proud to support the soccer team. Proud of what you know, we got people that are proud to be part of BLM. Proud to be skinheads. Proud to be in the KKK. Proud to be this. Proud to be that. But I'm going to tell you, I'm proud to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm proud. And guess what? That's my Jesus. That's the Jesus that I cling to. Why is it that we are more proud of our kid excelling in sports than we are at our kid excelling in the Holy Ghost? You're welcome. They're just lost some salary on that one. Praise God. I'm proud of the gospel. I'm proud to say that's my Jesus when things are bad. Because if, it's, if, if he's not my Jesus, then whose Jesus is he? You can't get to heaven by what I'm preaching today. You can't get closer to God by what I'm preaching. You've got to make application on your life to live for God the right way. You need to be able to say in the core of who you are, that's my Jesus. Somebody give him a shout this morning. Get excited. You guys have heard of a toxicology report, right? They do them at death. They do them when people are alive. You can get some blood work. People are dead. You can get an autopsy done and get a full toxicology report. You can pull things from blood. You can pull things from other samples of the body. You can pull things from DNA. You can pull things from hair. And I was just thinking about this the other day. If we were to cut you open right now, how would that toxicology report read about your life? Because I guarantee you the person next to you has got secrets in their life. Your family and friends... should be able to read the toxicology report of your life on if you're truly walking with God or not. You know how they do that? By your fruit. If your fruit bears much fruit and that fruit is Jesus, your family, when they honor you today on Father's Day, what's the thing that they say about that father? That is a true Man of God. If that's not the fruit, then now we got to go down the list of other ways that we congratulate our dads, other meaningless ways. Oh man, my dad was a great hunter and fisher. Wow. 
Oh man, my dad was so good at taking me to football games. Wow. I can't say that about my dad. I can't say that my dad even lived a Christian life until he gets saved two years before he died. But there was a change in him. There was a change in him. There was a, a vast change. And my dad was a good man. My dad was a very moral man. You would Anybody would have said, that guy is definitely a Christian. But he wasn't. They went to church every now and then, but they didn't have a real relationship with God. I remember leaving Bible college on a Friday. I left a, I was leading worship. I had a seminar. I left the seminar, drove all the way back to Spring, Texas, which is only about two hours away. And my mom was still at work. This is many years ago. She was still at work and I walked in her office. You know, I'm 18 years old, I walked in her office and I said, Mom, do you really have a relationship with the Lord? Because I don't think you do. And she started crying and bawling. And at that moment, she gave her life to the Lord in that office with her 18-year-old son. Now listen, I don't, I'm not telling you that because it's not about, none of this is about, you know, none, none of Destiny House is about me. Please thank God more than you ever thank me. Please thank God. Please thank God for the worship. Thank God for the prayer. Say, that's my Jesus. You don't have to say, that's my pastor. That's great. Makes me feel good and warm and tingly. But guess what? That's not what sustains me. It's God. It's God that sustains it's God that enables us to walk around at peace when the whole world is going to crap. Your family should look at your toxicology report and go, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Y'all get your mind out of the gutter. You knew what I meant. I'm a pastor. did get you on that though second timothy praise team i'm gonna land the plane second timothy chapter one listen to this so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our lord or of me a prisoner for his sake but by god's power accept your share of suffering for the gospel he is the one who saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not based on our works, but on his own purpose and grace granted to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But now made visible through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. He has broken the power of of death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. Because of this, in fact, I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed because I know the one 
in whom my faith is set and I am convinced that he is able to protect what has been entrusted to me until that day. Hold to the standard of sound words. He's saying here, have a good confession for your life and other people. If you don't have something good to say to people, stop communicating with them. Well, I just wanted to talk with them. Stop talking with them if you're constantly going to criticize them. Have some holy silence. Hold back. And I love this last line of verse 14. It says, protect protect that good thing entrusted to you through the Holy Spirit who lives where? Within us. Listen, time is measured in minutes, seconds, hours, days. But the faith of your life is measured in moments. There's some significant dates in history of some great things that happen on Father's Day, one of which is the Brownsville Revival started in the 90s on Father's Day, and it ran for five years. But it really didn't start on Father's Day. The revival really started five years before that, when people downstairs in the basement began to pray and intercede for revival in their community. That's how revival happens. People consecrate themselves. But I'm going to tell you, and this I guess you can take this as a rebuke if you'd like. When we are so consumed with seeing achievements in our children, in ourselves, our finances, our promotions, you're going to miss the mark. You're going to miss the mark. When, when my 19-year-old, when Bailey was little, he was, we got him in gymnastics. He was always flipping over stuff in the house. He was always jumping off stuff, jumping off the roof, doing handstands. He said, you know, let's put this kid gymnastics. Well, the problem is he started really excelling at gymnastics. And he began to win medal after medal after medal. And finally, he won state in the all-around as a little bitty boy. And he won in the pommel horse. And he was so good. He was so talented. But we just started missing and missing and missing church. And my excuse was, hey, I'm doing the ministry every day. I'm a chaplain. I'm God, I'm winning souls. God said that's not good enough. And you know what? We didn't change anything when God told me that. You know what changed? Bailey came to us and he said, I'm tired of all this. I want to be back in church. It wasn't the dad, it wasn't the mom, it was Bailey that said, I'm tired of all this. I want to be back. I want to tell you guys something this morning. We are at a 
a pinnacle point in history. And I would hate for some of you to continue being so consumed with the drama of life that you miss the true mystery of God, that you miss being able to proclaim, that's my Jesus. Please don't miss him. Time is measured in moments. Excuse me, time is measured in minutes. Life is measured in moments. One more quote, and then I'm going to... Actually, y'all can go ahead and stand now. Read this quote early hours this morning. It said this. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is baptism without church discipline. Cheap grace is communion without confession. Cheap grace is absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross and grace without Jesus. As hard as I feel like I have preached the last year and a half in this church, there are still people in this room today that are not saved. I want you to close your eyes this morning. We're going to go into a time of worship in a second. I want you to stay if you are able to. But I want to ask this question of you today. What have you refused out of opposition, whether it be to people or opposition to God? What have you refused in your life recently to lay at the altar before God? What remnant of your past whether it's a deep past or a current struggle? Have you refused to bring to your Jesus? With all the great mask that we put on every Sunday before coming to church, What's really going on in your family? Who's really addicted in your family? What men in this room are verbally abusive to their wives? What women in this room are verbally abusive to their husbands? What youth and kids in this room are abusive to their parents? What's really going on in your home? You know, I have this great vision that I cry over often. There's a, there's a couple of people in my life 
that I would just love to see crash down on the floor in a church like this and completely surrender their life to Jesus. And I've not seen that yet. And I know there's some people in your life that you are pleading with God. God, will they be broken before I die? Will they be broken before you come back? Will they be broken before you before they die? Will they gain salvation in you or will they not? your correct faith response is that's my Jesus that's his responsibility my responsibility can't be to save people my responsibility is to help lead the line that leads to what Jesus did at Calvary People cut in that line. People leave that line. People get all the way to the very front. And they cut out and they run away. I'm just saying some things this morning. I believe through the Holy Spirit to prick your heart. Just enough for you to see that there's some things in your life that need to be surrendered to God. I would like us to do that this morning. If you're here today for any reason, I'm not going to lay hands on you. I'm not going to come pray for you. I'm not going to put oil on you. I want you on your own being obedient to Jesus I want you to have the courage and the boldness today to bring everything that is lingering in your life that is not of God to the altar today will you come now everyone here this morning for whatever reason whatever healing that is needed, whatever pain you need to give up. I want you to make your way to the altar this morning. It's time to lay it down. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, that's me, I got it all made, you should be running up here. Oh, pastor, I did that four weeks ago. I'm so clean right now. Woo! You better get up to the front. Come on, let this be a time. And I want you to take your time this morning. Worship team has got about three songs or more. I want you to take your time this morning. Do not leave this altar or the sanctuary this morning until you are right with God. And I'm going to do the same. My wife is going to do the same. Come on, worship team. Let's praise him this morning. God, touch everyone here today.
everybody in this room, those online, and those of you watching online, you may, you're like, hey, well, I'm not there. How do I do this? Get, get on your knees before the Lord right now. Stand in your living room. Lift your hands. Lay down on your face before God and get right. Come on, let's get right before Jesus today and be able to walk out and say, that's my Jesus. Let's worship him. Let's worship him this morning.